Brandon is the CEO of Good Design Australia and chair of Australia's annual Good Design Awards, the longest running awards program for design and innovation in Australia, with its origins dating back to 1958. Brandon is an industrial designer and has spent the past 25 years advocating for the value of design to improve our social, economic, cultural and environmental quality of life at a national and international level. He is a Senator and President Emeritus of the World Design Organization, WDO, the global body for industrial design based in Montreal, Canada. He was elected President of the WDO from 2013 to 15 and the first Australian to hold this position. He holds a PhD in Environmental Design from the University of Canberra School of Design and Architecture and is an adjunct professor of industrial design at both the University of Canberra and the University of New South Wales. Among other roles, Brandon joined the board of directors of ASX-listed MGM Wireless Limited, an Australian technology company that designs and develops breakthrough and wearable technology, and has taken on the new role of executive director of the recently established Australian Design Council. Welcome, Brandon. G'day, Vince. Real pleasure to be here. It's so cool to get in front of each other again because obviously with COVID recently, we've not been able to do so. It's been really cool to uh, see how your brand and your business has evolved over the time. And in fact, we just celebrating the um, winning seven awards at the Good Design Awards. So uh, thank you for that. And that's really a, a real privilege to... Um, have been part of that. Yeah, no, congratulations. Seven, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good number. And uh, I mean, particularly in the categories that you guys entered, uh, the, the jury was were pretty tough. So that's a, that's a really good out, outcome for you guys. Congratulations. So I was re- thank you. Thank you very much. Um, obviously, we're both incredibly passionate about design and good design and share the same kind of positioning around wanting to design a better world. It's in our DNA and it's something that we live and breathe every day. And I'm just kind of keen to understand how, it, how did you start off? Yeah, I think uh, I love the, what you just said, you know, it's in your DNA. And I think any designer um, who's passionate about the craft, it, it is in your DNA, it's in your blood. It's just the way that you look at the world. Um, I, I kind of go back to being a kid. And just being this, this this little inquisitive brat who always just wanted to <laughs> take things apart and um, just constantly curious about the world around me. You know, if it was um, a, a product, I'd, I'd kind of instantly want to grab a screwdriver and take it apart and just figure out what are all the little bits and pieces inside. You know, I'm not more interested about what's going on in the internals of something than, than, that, than the sort of outer appearance. Mm. And I guess I had this curiosity that, that got me all the way through um, high school and eventually I, I thought I'd, I didn't even know that there was a thing called industrial design um, that, that existed. I, I actually was either architecture for me or engineering and, uh, and I ended up um, studying mechanical engineering. Mm. And it was only sort of halfway through that degree that I – I, uh, I met an industrial designer over a beer and, and he invited me to, to one of his lectures and uh, within the first five minutes I thought, oh man, this is, this is me, mm. <laughs> this is what I want to do. Um, and the, the course was relatively new, this is talking 30 odd years ago <laughs> um, and, uh, and I switched over, uh, I did a, a four year degree in industrial design and absolutely loved it. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I'll never forget, I think, one of the first lectures in first year, the, the industrial design 
uh, professor said to us, you know, from this day on, you're going to look at the world very differently. Mm. Um, and I'll never forget that because he's spot on. I, I, I believe I look at the world very differently. I put these glasses on and, it, and it's cool. You know, mm. I kind of almost, um, I've almost feel like I'm blessed to be able mm. to see the world through that lens of design. Uh, that curiosity of the world never goes away. Um, and, I, and, I, and I believe it's, just a, it's a beautiful gift to be able to go through the world like that. And which, which design school was it? So I went to the University of Newcastle. Okay. Um, yeah, just, just uh, a couple of hours north of Sydney. Yeah. Uh, and then I went and uh, a couple of years ago, I completed a PhD uh, at the University of Canberra uh, in uh, environmental design, which is, a, which is an area I'm, I'm hugely passionate about as well. Mm. And now you're a doctor. Yeah, I know. That's cool. Doctor of design, right? <laughs> yeah, doctor of design. Just go back, because obviously... Where did you go? Did you go work somewhere before? Because you ended up in Standards Australia, didn't you? Yeah. So here's my life story. I I, I finished uh, I, I finished my degree and uh, literally was like, right, what am I going to do? Uh, I had a I had a, a trip planned down to Melbourne. I was going to go and stay down there and see if I can get a design job. And my, my lecturer rang me up at the last minute and he said, hey, there's a there's a cadetship going at uh, this place called Standards Australia, who at the time ran the the National Design Awards for the country, the Australian mm. Design Awards. He said, "I put your name forward. Um, you know, six months, you'll probably get a bit of uh, experience from it, and then from there you can go and decide what you want to do." So I, I ended up in Sydney. I took the job, um, and six months later they offered me a full time gig, and uh, 23 years later I'm <laughs> I'm still here. So um, I I ended up. Um, you know, within this machinery called uh, Standards Australia, our, our national standards body in their design division, which really looked after the the, 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 the running of the, the Australian Design Awards, and and I just I sort of almost fell in love. I thought, wow, this is this is something really cool. It's mm-hmm. it's a big part of our our history. It's a big part of our culture. Um, the, the the Design Awards, um, you know, had this beautiful history behind it um and the more and more i delved into it i thought wow there's so much potential here going right back to to the 50s and 60s this organization used to be funded by the federal government it was created as the industrial design council of australia and all this incredible heritage behind it going through the files while i was at work seeing pictures of prince philip the duke of edinburgh they had a mm-hmm. thing called the the, the um, prince philip prize for australian design mm-hmm. Um, it was televised on ABC national television. I thought, wow, you know, this is just, this is such gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started there at Standards in, you know, this is sort of towards the end of 1997, um, the government actually handed across the body to, to Standards to look after and uh, it had kind of lost its way, you know, it uh, lost its shine, so to speak. And I, I saw that as a design challenge. I thought, wow, let's, how do we resurrect this thing? And, and it was a matter of actually talking and consulting with the design sector here in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, slowly but surely to try and understand what we could do with this thing. You know, this history is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do we, how do we actually go about resurrecting it? And it took a hell of a long time to get it back up to that level. Um, as I said, these 20 years later, it's, uh, I'm still doing it and, and, and just as passionate. Yeah. That's an amazing story. I mean, I, I remember coming to Australia about 17 years ago and I, and previously in London, I'd been very involved with Design Council in London with 
John Sorrell and David Kester and people like that. Um, London Design Festival, branding and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been very involved in the, the I guess, the, the design industry, um, not just doing design, but being part of it. And when I came to Australia, I was kind of desperately looking for something similar and there just didn't seem to be anything. And there's a few design organizations, but there was nobody really promoting design to the public or to the to industry. And maybe Standards Australia was, was doing that, but maybe it's more from an industrial design perspective than a kind of broader you know, uh, perspective around branding and, and other things like that. But it was interesting to hear that the government then, do they sell it to you, the, the Standards Australia? Kind of they divested themselves from it, which is such a peculiar thing to do. Yeah, it is, right. And, and that was 1991. It was still, you know, the, 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 what was then known as, uh, as the Australian Design Council at the time, mm. um, you know, still, still operated and funded by the federal government. Um, I guess change of government, change of policy. They they handed what was then known as the Australian Design Council to to Standards Australia, and, and probably the logic was this is a the most appropriate organisation. Standards are you know very much involved in in industry standards and product certification, and you know here's this this, this amazing body responsible for for the promotion and development and advocacy of Australian design being handed to uh, to a standards organisation. Uh, so it was a bit peculiar at the time. Um, and when I came along in sort of late 90, 97, um, you know, as I said, it, it had lost most of its shine. Uh, so there was a huge job in front of us to kind of go, how do we, how do we almost redesign this thing? Mm. Um, the idea of a design council had been, you know, set, set on a sh- sort of set aside on a, on a shelf. Um, and, and we, you know, we, we looked at um, the Australian Design Awards as, a, as an entity, as a, as a, as a body, um, and it was very much focused on product design. It was very much focused on, you know, manufactured products being submitted. Mm. Um, and and we, we were the first proudly uh, organisation um, in the world at the time to actually have an online presence, <laughs> like mm. thinking 1997. Wow. So we, uh, we polished everything up and we, we ran a, um, you know, a design award uh, program in 97 and we put everything online. Um, and a lot of the industrial design community supported it. They thought, look, we, we know what this thing once was and we're willing to, to, you know, to help to get it back to where it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went, you know, it went from strength to strength, but it was a, it was a really, really difficult job. Uh, in 2008, uh, that was 50 years since the Industrial Design Council was created in 1958, we decided to take another fairly bold step and open up the Australian Design Awards to internationally designed products and services. So that was really the first step in trying to expand it um, and really say to the Australian design sector that you know this thing is not just about being the best in Australia; it's actually about being the best in the world. Mm. So when a when an Australian design consultancy or a company receives one of these awards, we're saying it's benchmarked against the best in the world. Yeah. Um, that was that was 2008, um, and through you know again quite a few ups and downs and different uh, evolutions of the program. In in 2010, uh, Standards Australia decided again to divest of of its interest in in the awards, and we set up an organisation called Good Design Australia as an independent 
design promotion organisation um, that then, you know, now as of today runs the uh, the Good Design Awards independently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've expanded it into every single conceivable area of design, including communication design, digital design, mm-hmm. architectural design, engineering design, product design, um, service design, right through to social impact, uh, looking at the role that design can play in that space. Um, the fashion sector, uh, and really trying to, I guess, amplify as much as possible this idea of design um, having a significant impact, positive impact on our world, and showcasing the, the very, very best projects, not only to Australian businesses uh, here, but also all over the world as well. Mm. Um, and again, it's it's a truly international program. Mm. We, we've tried really, really hard to maintain that international benchmark. Um, it must have been interesting. It's got some incredible history there. Um, and obviously everyone must be incredibly thankful that you've maintained that because it could quite easily have just been shut down altogether, couldn't it? I think that what's interesting is that decision, and I've heard it before in London when organizations that were purely based on that country's awards, when there was conversations around opening up to the world, some people didn't feel good about that. Some people felt, that it was like that's threatening or it's then too big and dilutes that. Had, had, did you have any of that going on or was it a fairly clear no, decision? It was a really difficult decision to make and we consulted with, with the design sector. Uh, we spoke to designers, we spoke to the manufacturers who were entering at the time and held many you know, consultations. And, uh, and I remember um, Anthony Stolfo, uh, the head of design at Holden, um, once he, st- he stood up and he said, look, it's, it's, to me it's very simple. Um, when we win one of your awards, it, it generally just means we're better than Ford. <laughs> but if you're going to open this thing up internationally and we win one of your awards, mm. it actually tells us and it tells our design team that we're the best in the world. That's where we want to be. You know? And Australian, Australian designers, a lot of their work is actually done from overseas companies as well. So they, mm. they want to be benchmarked internationally. Um, and like anything, you, you're never going to please all the people all the time. But uh, I look back at it now and, I mean, you know, you, you would open this conversation telling us that you've just received so many awards. I'm sure you're much more uh, proud of the legit fact. Legit too. It was legit, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure you're much more proud of the fact that they are, you know, they, they are benchmarked against some of the most amazing projects that were entered from all over the world. Um, and that to me is really important. We, yeah. we, we're a... Uh, we may be a small country, we may be uh, a small design sector here, but Australian designers are um, unashamedly the best in the world. You know, we really are. We punch way above our weight in, in all those different design disciplines, whether it be yeah. architecture or communication design and product design. We've got some of the best designers here in the world, and it's and I see the, the awards as a, as a way of benchmarking that. Mm, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I know when I was initially moving here, people said, oh, you know, other people I knew in London or even here were saying, why do you want to go to Australia? You know, it's kind of a long way away and clients don't appreciate design. But actually, I've, I've felt nothing but the opposite. I felt that, um, you know, it's about relationships, about connecting with people and actually, sh- and actually helping people along the way um, to create successful outcomes. And I don't think it matters where you are, um, you, you'll find a way. I think that just going back to kind of Standards Australia, because obviously Standards Australia says what it is. Um, it's maintaining or certifying uh, that a piece of design is of a high enough standard for the public, right? It's like the kite mark in the UK. 
What's happened to that? Does that still exist? Yeah, so Standards Australia is still a, a very active body, um, very much involved in the development of, of, of standards mm-hmm. um, that are used by business and industry and, and, and government. Um, and it was a, you know, for a time it, it actually made sense. It, on one side, you've got the development of standards that tell you all the, the parameters that you can and can't, you know, use when you're designing or developing a product or a service. And on the other hand, there was the design awards which acted as a as a way of of lifting those standards and and really innovating around the parameters of what a standard may be um but i look back now and i think to myself that um you know that the the way that the awards operate under uh, under a completely independent way outside of standards just seems to to be so much more agile we we were able to create you know so many more opportunities around different disciplines of design etc um but it, but it's certainly, I think, the one amazing thing that it did, Vince, is and particularly during my time, I was there for fifteen years, is bring that rigor, you know, that that absolute respect and rigor around the judging process. Um, I've got enormous respect for design award programs that do it right. Um, you've been on many jury panels all over the world, I'm mm. sure, and. Yeah. Um, Assessing design is a really difficult thing. You know, there's a subjective element to it. And there's got to be also an objective element to it. Uh, developing the the criteria, the framework, the process that goes into how do you assess whether something's actually good, mm. whether it's been well designed or not, across all those different disciplines. Um, a large part of my PhD was actually focused on trying to trying to understand that. Um, you know, because it's. I love this old saying, you've got so many beautiful artworks around here at, uh, at the office, but, you know, art doesn't have to work, but design does. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that to me sums it up. It's, the, it's, the, it's the, 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 the working bit of design that you have to then assess and analyse and say, have these guys done a really good job? What have, they, what have they done that's been really, really special and innovative and creative that nobody else has done that's resulted in the outcome um, that, that, that we then call design, we then end up celebrating. And that, that's really important. There are a lot of design award programs around the world that don't do that very well. And in my opinion, they almost do a disservice to, to design, to the design industry. Mm. They, they're almost giving the wrong message about what good design is. So mm. it's something we take now incredibly seriously and particularly with the state of the world as it is, you know, not just talking about COVID, but... Um, you know, with, with the impacts of climate change and all the other challenges that our world faces. Um, you and I have spoken many times before about design's role in helping create a better world, but also solving some of these bigger challenges. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really important to make sure that we get that message right, that design is um, part of that solution and it's, in a, and it's positioned as a problem-solving tool. Mm-hmm. And if you're a design promotion organisation and you get that wrong, and you you muddle that message, um, you know that's that's not gonna it's not gonna help the argument at all. I totally agree. I mean, obviously, you're, you're involved in so many other committees and organisations, and one that we we're really proud of being part of with you was the World Design World Design Organisation. Oh, okay, that is the organisation. <laughs> we're trying to keep it simple. Okay, yeah, the World Design Organisation that you know um, we worked together with you on pitching for Sydney to be uh, the capital of design for the year 2020. We got incredibly close, didn't we? But I mean, it would have been a complete disaster if we had won that. I guess with what's gone on with COVID. Yeah, so in a way, a blessing in disguise. Um, but how did you get part of uh, become part of that organisation? 
Um, so at the time, uh, this is 2004, um, the, the organisation actually originally was called the, the International Council of Societies of Industrial Design, quite a long-winded mm. name. Uh, again, uh, an incredibly um, you know, proud and old organisation, I think originally set up in 1957, the, the peak global body for industrial design, they're based out of Montreal in Canada. And uh, our organisation at the time, the Australian Design Awards, when we were part of Standards Australia, were, was was Australia's promotional design promotional member, mm-hmm. um, and it was really a you know, it was a fantastic organisation to be a part of. Um, there'd only been one Australian board member, I think, uh, in in its history, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to have a crack and and see whether there's an opportunity to to sit on the board. Um, they had a, a general assembly, so every two years they have their general assembly, and this particular one was in San Francisco. I went over thinking there's no way in hell they'd, uh, they'd vote on this young Aussie, <laughs> um, and uh, you've got to get up and state your case and, uh, and really you know, explain what it is you're going to bring to, to this organisation, and uh, something, must have, something must have gone right. I got elected onto the board of directors, um, and it was uh, the wildest ride of my life. Um, I spent eight years uh, on on the executive board with some of the most incredible designers. I'd pinch myself every time, um, you know, we'd have a board meeting in, in any part of the world, uh, looking around the table and just seeing the calibre of people that were there. Um, and it gave me a global, a truly global perspective on design. Um, the the good part of design and I guess also the, the bad part of design and the opportunities that design can bring to our world. Um, and um, I guess being very active, um, I ended up being uh, elected as president. Um, so the very first Australian uh, ever to, to be the president of this organisation. And uh, again, just just the most incredible experience to, to sit in that mm. seat. Um, and uh, we, I was very fortunate. I had a fantastic board during my presidency and we, we applied design thinking to the actual organisation. We said to ourselves, look, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's almost 60 years now since this organisation has been up and running. Um, let's look at our, our vision. Let's look at our, vision, uh, our, our mission. Let's look at ourselves strategically. Um, let's look at the impact that we want to make as an organisation and we, we, we essentially started from the top down. We said, you know, the name itself is something that people don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. ICSID was the abbreviation. Um, and it was very much focused on industrial design, as, as many of these organisations were. So we ended up saying, well, let's, let's rebrand it. Let's call it the World Design Organisation. One of the other things we looked very carefully at is the, the, the fact that... Um, on this, this organization's website, um, you know, the, the definition of what industrial design was was last defined in 1972. Mm. So I sort of said, look, that's just, you know, come on, let's, let's have another look at, at how do we define the actual industry. So we, we took us a year, we worked with the global design, industrial design community and came up with a new global definition for industrial design, which is a mammoth project. Um, and we also put a lot more emphasis on aligning the aims and objectives of, of the World Design Organisation to the Sustainable Development Goals, so the United Nations SDGs. And also, you know, it was, was, it was a, an obvious thing to do because the World Design Organisation has consultative status with the United Nations. So for us, it was 
all of these little aspects coming together in trying to redesign what this global body for design may look like. Incredibly exciting journey. Uh, I came out the end of it uh, in 2015. I, I stepped down as president uh, and felt really proud of the fact that um, you know that, that I had a bit of an impact on on the organisation and, and being an Australian even more prouder um, to know that now it's uh, you know it's 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 up and running. They 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 run a number of uh, global design challenges as they call them, uh, and all linked to to solving these big big you know, meaty challenges around the SDGs by design, which I think is just awesome. That's incredible. I mean, it's um, congratulations on helping shift an organisation like that that's been going around for a long time. Thank you. Couldn't and have been easy, I'm sure. No, and it, you know, and again, I, you know, I don't take credit for the whole thing. There's, there's the membership itself, there's the board of directors that helped me at the time. Um, but I think they all saw that there's, um, there's a bigger, bigger vision for what design can do. Um, we all know that you know good professional design helps create a better product, it creates a better service, it creates a better experience. We as designers know that, and the evidence is you know is is everywhere. This idea about zooming out and and, and going up each time with a, 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 a another aspirational level of what design can do that that's really what it's at and and. You know the, the 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 concept of designing a better world is not so far fetched when we know that it works at the product and service level. Um, and by no means is it about designers being arrogant, and saying we're gonna we're gonna solve all the problems of the world, because that's actually not what this is about. It's just saying that design is actually part of that equation, mm. and bringing that that different perspective, bringing that different lens, that different way of thinking that I spoke about earlier. That's what it's about. There's some pretty seriously complex problems around the world and uh and if you don't have designers if you don't have creative sitting at the table you know you're really going to come up with the same solutions all the time and i think mm. that's that that came out loud and clear how do we make sure that design is taken seriously um and that and that we are there as a profession as a creative profession um willing to help and throw up different ideas and different perspectives that's that's really what it's about it's incredible, isn't it? How was it? Standards Australia and the world, <laughs> the World Design Association, and other organisations, Design Council back in the UK, and probably others. Was it Winston Churchill that that started it? Was it his vision? Isn't this amazing? Yeah, like so a long time you, ago. When you when you delve into the into the the, the, the records, um, nineteen forty four, I think it was that the UK Design Council um, was established, and mm -hmm. it was established right after the war. Winston Churchill set this up as a way of 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 the UK rebuilding itself mm. through design and creativity. Yeah, isn't that phenomenal? So that was that was the UK Design Council set up, you know, with this very aspirational vision of how do you rebuild a country after a war, um, and it was it was on that premise that the Australian Design Council was then also set up um, in 1958. It was set up based on the UK Design Council. So we've got this, I think, again, I'm incredibly passionate about the history side of this, mm. is that you know, here is an organisation that, uh, that, that, that is still you know, active here. So you know, we've only last week we've resurrected the Australian Design Council um, and, uh, and a lot of that was based on the fact that you know, here's, a, here's a body that was set up to use and leverage the power of design 
um, during wartime mm. um, when our experience a global experiencing a global pandemic yeah. our economies all over the place um, you know it, it's the equivalent of being at war yeah. uh, where Australia is suffering a, a recession how can design be a part of that solution uh, and that was the main driver behind setting up or re-establishing uh, the Australian Design Council you know in, in, in its current form and it's incredibly uh Timely, as you say. I mean, we we're in uh, globally in pretty tough time. We're not out of it yet. No, as you say, it's perfectly, it's absolute right time to do this now. Um, it's just kind of funny, isn't it? How you know, sixty years later, we're still trying to promote good design. We're still trying to promote the benefit of what design can do. You're right, and uh, I, you know, I'm I'm I get frustrated at times where I think, oh, here we are, you know, come on. It, 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 we're in the twenty. We're fifth of the way through the twenty first century, and we're still having this discussion about what design can do at a business level, and uh, and and particularly within our government. Um, but I'm I'm forever optimistic. I think all mm. designers are uh, by their very nature, and I think that um, we'll get there one day. I think the more and more examples that we can throw up of uh, successful stories where design has played a major role that's going to get people's attention. It can't go away. It's inevitable that everyone at one point in certain point in time is going to look up and go, wow, if you don't use design in your business, um, you're not going to be around for much longer. Mm. And I think, I think the big challenge, particularly here in Australia, is that, um, as I said time and time again, we've got some of the most talented designers across all different disciplines in the world. But on the other side of that divide, we've also got a lot of businesses who still don't actually understand the true value of design. They, 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 they understand that they probably need it. They've read it somewhere that, oh, I should, be, I should be spending money on design, but they're not quite sure how and they're not quite sure where to position it. And I think that's a big part of the challenge that we've got is to get more businesses to understand that design is not, a, it's not a, um, an afterthought. It's not something that you that you sprinkle on top of your business at the very end or your product or your service, but it's, it's got to be positioned as a, as a core strategic tool. Um, you'd know more than anyone, Vince, that there's so many um, uh, studies out now and, and, and um, you know, there's so much data available that shows um, without doubt that companies who invest in design, companies who spend money in design, companies who, who position design strategically in their business grow faster than those that don't. Mm. Um, there's so much evidence of that around the world now. now McKinsey's have just uh, a couple of years ago came out with a fantastic bit of research where I think they, they measured 500 companies um, who strategically position design in their business um, and, and, and came out showing that they, you know, their shareholder value increased by a factor of two to one mm. um, they're growing faster they're employing more people um, and that's what we want right now we want businesses in this country and all over the world of course mm-hmm. to grow we want them to prosper we want them to employ more people and if they can position design in their business as a way to do that as a way to remain competitive that's what this is about you know, mm-hmm. we want them all to prosper yep. we want them all to grow you're a designer i'm a designer i can say this do you think designers are part of the problem uh yeah, <laughs> I think we. Do you know what I mean? I mean, because like, I, exactly I know a lot of designers are, aren't aren't particularly commercial. They want to be, but they're not necessarily. Um, they can be quite difficult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can be no, difficult. I know, I know exactly what you, know? you mean, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think we are we're not very good at communicating our value. 
you know, I don't know whether it's a, um, a, 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 a humbleness thing. I don't know what it is. I think I just think there's there's a there's a challenge that we have in articulating exactly what it is that we can do for a business. Um, mm. And I think that that again is the is the perennial design challenge. We've got to get better at that. We've got to get mm. better at talking the language of business. Mm. Um, and, uh, and 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 we need to respect the fact that not all businesses understand our language as well. Oh, that's right. Um, and that, you know, I think the better we get at that, the, the, the more that we can actually embed design across all businesses. This idea of... Australia being a design-led nation. That's a very ambitious statement to make, but that that's what drives me. You know, how do we make how do we how do we get to a point where the rest of the world looks at Australians and says, geez, those guys are design-led. They've got a design-led economy. They've got a they've got a government who actually understands exactly what design is and how they can it can be leveraged um, at a government level, at a policy level, at an industry level, at a business level. That's utopia, you know, and, uh, and I think it's the thing that gets me out of bed each morning. So yeah. we're one step closer at achieving that. I, to- I totally uh, uh, in line with that. I mean, I, it's funny when I, I talk to people and say everything is man-made or human-made has been designed, yeah. whether it's good or bad and everything in between. And, it, and people just don't seem to realize that. Yeah. And when you say they go, Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. I say yeah. it to my kids all the time. I say, if, unless it's a tree or a piece of grass <laughs> growing out of the ground, yeah, you know, uh, it's been designed. Mm. Every single thing around us—the the toothbrush that you used this morning mm. to brush your teeth—if if you did, um, yeah, I did. To, thank you. Yes. <laughs> to the car you drove, to work, to the roads that you actually drive—everything around us is designed. Unfortunately, mm. a lot of it's been badly designed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an opportunity there as well. So, how do we how do we make sure that now that we've created that that awareness of what design actually is—that it's everything—the mm. um, next level is to make sure that we actually want to promote the value of good design um, because it has a significant positive impact on our lives. I think that TV show that you did recently, the Australian Design, oh, what the hell was it called? Australia by Design. Australia by Design. The recent show you've done, Australia by Design, I think that was a great program. Is it still going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down to its fourth season. Yeah. And, and that really helps unpack design, you know, the thinking, the ideas, and why they're good. You know, and it, it has been. It's been fantastic and it's just a way to, to really, I guess, promote design to, you know, to, to the everyday person on, mm. on mainstream TV. I always try and unpack, you know, a lot of people ask me what is good design and I kind of go, and I, well, it, it's important to actually distinguish between what is a good designer, right, what is, um, what is the designing bit and what is the design bit, which is the outcome. And I think because as you've probably heard time and time again, design is a noun, it's a verb, it's, it's kind of everything. And I think it's important to, to understand that being a good designer is someone who's very empathetic, who has, has the ability of, of jumping into somebody else's shoes and understanding the client, understanding the, the, the user and the end user and all those things that we've been taught as, as designers. Um, and then the act of designing, the act of actually being creative and being able to challenge the status quo and ask all those questions, the, you know, the, the stupid question that nobody else um, is, is willing to ask, that's the designing bit. And then, and then the design bit is, is the outcome is the thing that we touch and feel and use and everything that we see around us. So I sort of see it in, in those three different ways of you know, the designer, the designing bit, and then, and then the actual design bit, which is the outcome. Yeah, I, gr- I agree with that. I think that, that, as you said earlier, it's 
it's not just now with the design council an opportunity to kind of lobby government, but it's actually about it is about education, isn't it? It's about helping designers, whatever sector that they're in, to understand the real value of what they're doing, understand where they're struggling in their businesses or as a, a freelancer or in, in an organization, or how they can maybe learn to evolve and to uh, communicate or to approach things in a way that's going to have a much more successful outcome. Um, the general public, again, awareness around, just general awareness around design. It's not a, you know, a kitchen makeover uh, or a bathroom makeover show. The design is incredibly powerful in businesses, in our lives, um, in every aspect of our life, education, everything. It has so much potential. And as designers, you just, when you have an opportunity, when someone knocks on our door or phones or emails, whatever they do today, um, and they come in with a problem that we'd never even thought about until that moment in time. It just is incredibly exciting because you can actually already, as soon as they even just speak or send an email or you start to see with what little you know, you start to already begin to work it out. You start to already build on visualizing the future resolved, you know. And it's such an incredible, I think it is something that it is um, in us, I guess, and in every human being, it would be there. Um, but I guess over time, through a lot of training, a lot of experience of doing them every day, or doing projects every day, it comes easier, it comes quicker. And probably sometimes we actually, as a result of that, we probably don't even ourselves take it so seriously in terms of what you're actually doing, what your contribution is to helping an individual, an organization, whatever it might be, to achieve a successful outcome. Yeah, and it comes back to that idea of you know distinguishing between design designer and the, the design um, the designing bit. You know, I think that another big challenge um, I'm seeing in, in in the sort of consulting space at the moment is that every man and his dog is a designer. Yeah, that's true. Um, they're all they're all adding design thinking and you know design consulting as a, an extra little element of what it is that they do and. That may be seen as a good thing, but it's also a very dangerous thing because the professional aspect of design, you know, the trained profession, the, the craftsmanship of, of thinking like a designer is is very different to someone who just, you know, pretends to do it as, a, as an extra thing. And I, mm. um, y- you're right, you know, and, and in, in, in sensing that, that when, when you've got clients that come and knock on your door, the excitement that you get as a designer to almost want to jump to that end solution and, and, and envisage what uh, what a what a what a what a great outcome can be is, mm. is it's addictive in a way. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I just did a, a talk with an organization in in Barcelona called the Blanc Blanc uh, Festival, and I talked about the the fact that I am blank, not Blanc, um, but I actually there's something about walking into a situation not knowing anything. I mean, you know, if you say that to your teachers way back, they'd think you're an idiot and they just think that, oh my God, this person's not going to go very far. But actually the less I know, the more I listen and the more I look around and explore and build up kind of um, clues and an opinion about something. When people walk into a room with a, well, I know what you should do, you got to do this which is often what people are looking for. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want someone coming in and going, well, he's incredibly quiet. He's not saying anything. He's, he's observing. Um, is he really interested? And I used to get that all the time uh, initially. But um, I think that I've gone off on a tangent probably. But I just in terms of it's something that uh, I think also is really important is the act of, of listening, for designers to listen, 
for clients, to anyone to listen in any kind of uh, conversation or communication. And it's through the listening you get a better understanding of what the opportunity is. And yeah. as I said, the clues start coming to you that you wouldn't have seen if you went straight in with an idea initially, which yeah. is often what people approach. You I, know? I, I, I totally agree with you, you know, and I think that, that I spoke at the beginning of this conversation about this um, this way of looking at the world, you know, and I kind of I almost imagine I put on my magic glasses and I see things completely different to, to a lot of people who are not trained as designers i'm married to a lawyer and she sees the world through through her lens um but but being able to to pick up on things to be able to as you say listen 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 be be observant of the things that probably would go straight over the top of everyone else's heads Mm. and and picking up on those little things is where the magic is Mm. you know is where you where you go hang on a second what what did you just say there and Mm. and and um, and 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 being trained to kind of go that's 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 where you need to look is where everybody else is not looking in a mm. way uh, yeah. and that comes through a deep level of of empathy and a deep level of understanding and listening as you say I totally agree. Do you think what's it, what's the future of design in general? With um, you know obviously you must be aware of what's happening with AI uh, and the huge um, progress is being made there, which is about reducing roles, reducing jobs automization of a, of a lot of things yeah um this question comes up all the time you know oh, sorry where <laughs> there's no doubt where we're um, shifting very rapidly towards a world where you know it's going to be driven by ai and big data um automation everything that can be automated will be automated in my opinion vince i think that if anything it only gives much more importance and relevance to creativity because, I mean, the minute a computer can work out how to be creative, and you know, then I'll start scratching my head, but I, I, I believe that that's the one thing that um, computers won't be able to do too well is that creative aspect of, of design and that creative aspect of, of creative thinking. Um, and if anything, it elevates us as professionals, as design professionals, to a much higher degree. Mm. And if we're living in a, in a world of AI... And, and automation, um, you know, those mundane tasks, of course, if it can be automated and if it can be done much more efficiently, it's go- that, that's going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, there's going to be a lot of jobs that are, that are going to be completely transformed as a result of that. Mm. Um, and, and creativity is only going to be elevated higher and higher. Um, so how do we take this idea of a world that's rapidly um, progressing towards digitization? Um, and come up with with creative solutions around how that can be applied. Um, the big thing I'll give you an example within product design is the Internet of Things. As a mm. um, multi-billion-dollar industry, in the, you know, going in the next five, ten years, anything that be, can be connected to the grid, connected to the internet, will be. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be redundant that you probably don't want connected to the to the to the internet. But those things that are going to make a difference to our quality of life, um, and and the role of design in doing that in a in a beautiful way, in a seamless way, in a in a in a way that creates a beautiful experience. Um, I think there's going to be tons of opportunities for design to play a really important role between that interface of of, of fantastic futuristic technology. And making it usable, making it human, making it uh, 
easy to understand and easy to use. That's 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 the role that designers are going to play in that interface. I, yeah, I'm not sure I could put money on it right now. I kind of feel like I really want to agree with you on that, that it'd be the creativity is the last area that's going to be affected by AI. I'm not sure. I, I'm i quite concerned, um, and I've said many times uh, to people, that I, I feel like it's coming along really fast and faster than people anticipate. And, you know, it might just do all the things that we do. You know, it might, it just might. I, I see a lady came in today and showed me this app that she's designed. I'm going, oh, my God. It does something in a second that takes us probably two weeks of workshopping. And it's, you know, under $100. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going, holy crap, you just could take away a big chunk of what we do. The human, the human aspect of how we do it could be taken away by your new app. Um, and something's got to give. So a job, a, someone's role will, will have to give. Yeah. Because of that. I mean, we can't stop it. It's, 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 and that's it's the thing. happening. We, we can't, but I also think we need to be, again, it's maybe it's, maybe it's the, the blind optimist in me. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, the, the, the coding behind that app, the, 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 the hardcore sort of technology side of, you know, who decides what this app is going to do, that, that's a human decision. Um, and and, 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 it, and it's got to be, uh, technology is only as good as it is until a human can use it. So, so who determines what the, what what that human interface is going to be? Who determines what the product's going to be in terms of a, an ergonomic solution or a um, you know an outcome that's actually going to appeal to me as a human being? I, I, if if we have to leave that up to a machine to decide, then then it's a pretty scary scary mm-hmm. world. Um, so I'm I'm forever optimistic. I think um, you know we th- there there will always be room for creativity in this whole in this whole space. And I you know this this idea of design being a 21st century toolbox. I love that. Um, the the digital world is coming and it's coming very very fast and mm. design is a way of just I guess making it more human. Um, hopefully we wanted to leave that up to machines. What countries in your mind and all the experience you've had uh, with your travels with the World Design Association um, are doing it well or doing it better in terms of being design led mm. as a, a as, as a, a nation as a nation as an yeah. economy. Um, Look, um, Taiwan. Um, they are a, they're a small little country, you know, um, almost a small little island. If you think about it, um, they they don't have the luxury that we do here in Australia of digging up natural um, uh, minerals and, and resources and selling them. So they, they all they really have is is their intellect, and I think they they they're exceptionally active in the design space. They've got a government that understands what design is. They're investing in it. Um, they're growing. They're growing brands and businesses um, off the back of great design. Um, so, absolutely, I'd say Taiwan, um, Singapore is another country. You know, they're again a very small uh, country in, in terms of their size, um, and uh, and they get design. They've got a national design centre in, in in Singapore. Mm-hmm. They've got a government who again supports design and gets it. Um, but then, you know, if you look at some of the bigger, more developed countries around the world in, in Europe, um, the, 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 the more traditional countries like Germany, um, um, the UK and, and the US, um, you know, businesses there get design. If, you, if you're in business, if you're, a, if you're in a startup in any of those places and you don't have a designer on your board, I mean, it's just it's unheard of. You know, they, they, they get it. They're all 
Uh, there's no convincing required for, for, for companies in that part of the world. Um, but I think the real opportunity is going to be coming in, in terms of where design's going is the developing countries. Uh, if you look at uh, India, for example, you know, um, I've been there a few times and if you've been to India, mm. you know, the, 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 the potential for design there uh, to create a real impact on people's lives um, at a completely different level. I'm not talking about designing beautiful products, no. but actually positioning design as a problem-solving tool. Mm. That to me is where all the potential is, mm. um, you know, and, uh, and it comes back to the, 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 the idea of the sustainable development goals. You know, how do you apply design to, um, you know, clean drinking water as a, as a problem, sanitation, health, um, 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 plastics in our ocean, massive, big design challenge. That is a, you know, um, and it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all solution. It's going to be everyone trying to figure out how do, you, how do you solve these problems, and I think the developing parts of our world is where design is really going to play the biggest role. Do you think there's an Australian approach to design, or... Is it not unified in that way? I mean, is, do you think that there are people often say, like I remember, I remember going to South Africa and, and um, talking to the guys there and at a um, design in Daba and saying that you know, do we have a a national design style? And and I, I'm I'm not going to answer your question, my question, but I felt like at the time it felt like there was aspects of it, but it also in the world we live in today, it feels so more international in terms of people's approach. It kind of it's kind of hard to tell if something is from a specific country, um, I find, but maybe maybe not the case. No, I agree with you. I think it's um, – I, I, I'm, I'm constantly asked, you know, how do you distinguish between Australian design and German design and Italian design? And I think it's incredibly difficult because all the products, you know, particularly from an industrial design point of view – um, are designed for global markets. So there's, there's, it's mm. very hard to sort of say there's an Australianness about the design um, solutions that we put forward. Um, but that said, I, you know, I come back to the, the, the brand of, uh, of design. If, we, if, you, if you turn a product upside down and it says designed in Germany, it, it has a certain sense to it, a certain sense of quality and a certain sense of professional, you know, this to it. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's, there's an opportunity there for, to try to delve into what does it mean when you pick a product up and it says designed in Australia? What, what, what does mm. that meaning, um, what, is the, what does the consumer actually feel when they, when they see that? Hopefully it's quality, hopefully mm. it's world class. Um, what, does it, what does it mean if it says made in Australia mm-hmm. as well? Um, so now I, I, in answering your question, I, I don't think there's something, you know, sort of uniquely uh, Australian about any of the work that we do. I think we're, Australians are, are, are global citizens and we design for, for, a, for mm. a global market and uh, that's, to me that's a good thing. Have you come across any indigenous designers? Not as much as what I would like to, um, Vince. It's um, you know the, the thing that I think is beautiful about Australia is that we're one of the oldest design um, nations in the world. You know, mm. our, our traditional uh, owners of this land have been designing well before you and I have been here, and uh, I very think creative. An opportunity there to to really amplify that and, and come back to your question about maybe that's the the unique Australian style that we're all looking for. Um, mm-hmm. We've been running for the past couple of years uh, in partnership with RMIT University uh, an Indigenous Designer Award to to mm-hmm. recognise just what what that is to to really you know put up on a pedestal. This is a, a fantastic example of Indigenous design, and I think it's such an incredibly important part of 
of promoting design in this country and recognizing it as well. Mm. And has anybody won that? Oh yeah, um, actually this year we uh, we we uh, awarded uh, David Yuanapon um, posthumously uh, the the Indigenous Designer Award. So he's a uh, very famous, famous Aboriginal um, inventor and designed uh, and patented uh, the, uh, a whole new way of, of shearing sheep. Uh, he's on our $50 note, mm. a very, very famous uh, Aboriginal designer and inventor and author. Um, and each year we, you know, we, we amplify and, and recognise uh, a project or a, or a designer in that space. So I think, as I said, it's, it's really, really important to continue to do that. Mm. We're, we're doing a um, Frost Academy um, initiative with uh, Shillington, uh, which is a design school, yeah. um, uh, a program scholarship, um, which will, for Indigenous designers, to help, help kind of promote them and help them kind of come through um, and give them an internship in the studio as well for for three fantastic. months period. Yeah, that I mean, we fantastic. should have done it years ago, and and I feel bad that we haven't. Um, um, but I certainly, there's a lot of lot of talent out there. And if you look at, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Aboriginal art, and I just think, wow, you know, there's just so much, um, there's so much there that we can kind of look at at at, Im- at embedding into areas of product design and, and fashion design, which already happens, and. Um, uh, communication design and digital design. Like, how do you how do you do that in a respectful manner, mm. and how do you do it in a way that actually again showcases the best of Australian design? So people kind of look at that and go, well, but maybe that's the that's that beautiful signature style that we're all looking for as well. Yeah, I think also around the sustainability sustainability aspect too, because they just take what they need from the land. You know, they don't do what us all of the rest of us do, just strip things bare. Um, and it's, just, it's a, again, it's kind of a, a circular economy in that regard, um, and also just living off the land uh, traditionally. Obviously, um, that there. I remember when we worked on the, the Northern Territories account for we did we did their advertising for them for a while. Yeah, I remember that. And I and I'd go to Kakadu um, with the, some interesting, great elders and camp out, and you'd be walking through some bushes, and there'd just be oh, there's that. Eat this. Here's nothing. Eat that. Eat that. Going. Oh my God, it just looks like a dry bush, this place. <laughs> but there's an abundance. Yeah, um, yeah. There's an abundance. And I think that also goes back to um, often designers feel that, uh, in generally, there's a generalization, that um, when we talk about the work that we're doing, they say, it's okay for you, you've got nice projects. It's okay for you, you have, you have projects. Um, but I strongly believe there's abundance everywhere. Um, there's opportunities everywhere. And again, it comes down to listening and connecting uh, and seeing the potential in what others don't necessarily see. See an opportunity to fix things as well. You know, you mentioned just briefly there um, circular design and the circular economy. That's a big thing within the design sector at the moment. And I think that it's even evolved to a point beyond just designing in a circular manner. Um, This idea of regenerative design. How do you design something that not only is circular, but it's actually putting back it's giving back. Mm. Um, that to me is is fascinating. We had a project in the Good Design Awards this year called Arcadia, so a, a big redevelopment where um, they used, I think pretty much 90% of the project was recycled bricks. Um, now you might think that's not well, what's so clever about that, but in a, in a commercial um, building, it's really, really difficult to use recycled bricks because they, you know, you don't actually understand what their structural integrity is and... Mm. Um, 
but 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 to try and get to beyond just zero zero emission to actually add more than what you've thought what you've mm. taken away. Um, I think that's going to be a. It has to be. It absolutely has to be. You know, if we we start having this discussion around um, the, the challenges around climate change, um, what, what future are we going to leave our kids in the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty years time? Mm. Um, designers, architects, engineers. You know, we're we're all playing a role in that. Um, and if we can start thinking of design solutions now that are that are regenerative, that are actually um, giving Mac giving back to, to the planet more than what we've taken, I think that's that's incredibly challenging, but it's also very, very exciting. I think there's an incredible opportunity, obviously. I think that people have been talking about, you know, global climate change for, for a long time. Um, and it seemed to kind of, kind of reach a, a head with the fires that we had, which were, you know, uh, the news was around the world. And you know, certainly my family in the UK were calling all the time and saying, oh my God, is Sydney on fire? Um, and it was horrific time. I mean, it was quite a long period of, of and, and sadly people lost their lives in their homes and livelihood as a result. But what I saw out of that was that people just instantly tried to fix things. They tried to raise money. They tried to design new things or, or make efforts and can be coming. We had clients come in continuously looking for how do we be, how do we be more sustainable? How do we stop creating such a, a negative impact on the earth? And it was just fantastic. You used to get them occasionally. And we'd be every project kind of trying to talk to clients and convince them to, to be more sustainable. Um, but it's not until like beginning of this year that we really saw a steady flow of people, organizations large and small, um, going, hey, we need, we're going to do this. We need to do it. How do we do it? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I, I gave me real faith in humankind as a result of that. Oh, I can't agree with you more. And it was, you know, it was tragic. I was actually overseas at the time when, when the bushfires were here in Sydney and I just, you know, I saw everything on the news and just went, wow, it just looked like a different planet. And now you're seeing it in California. You weren't well. in Hawaii with Scott, were you? No, no. <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> oh. um, but I agree with you. And I think it's, unfortunately, it's something, Vince, it's not going to go away. It's no. not going to go away. It's going to be here every year. Um, and it's, I, I hate to say, but I think it's going to get worse. Um, so, you know, we, we, we need, I think, as designers, we have a responsibility mm. that when a client does walk in to say, um, if you're not thinking about a sustainable solution, you have to be. You know, mm. we, we as designers have to push that yeah. and we have to make sure that it's front and centre. It, 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 it almost has to be um, a given. You know, it's not a discussion anymore whether the solution has to be have a sustainable outcome. It absolutely must. It's, it's ubiquitous. And, mm. and I think... Um, not only here in Australia, but 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 designers all over the world have to have that 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 very strong opinion um, to make sure that whatever it is that we design for a client, um, sustainability must be you know front and center of that whole discussion. Absolutely, and and I've been saying we just did a sustainability um, series uh, with the defrost um, webinar, and I've been saying that for for people listening in and watching and designers specifically. Don't think that someone out there is sorting it out for us, you know. And don't think sometime in the future you, you do it. Actually, you can do it right this very minute, right today with the project that you're working on. You know, that's the, but that is massive. You think of every designer in the, around the world changing their um, approach, uh, you know, in one day. I know it's a lot to ask, ask but if in that one day from now, now going forward, they actually had a very different lens on um, 
how they approached the design. Doesn't mean it's less design or less better design or uh, going to be less successful. But if you actually had the the perspective that you as an individual, as the designer, you're the person who ultimately is specifying what material to use or how much of that material to use. And if that person could focus on, let me limit some of the embellishments that are necessary to just make it a bit more sexy or make it nicer for my portfolio for my next job. Um, if I focus just purely on how do I make this client, uh, this project a successful outcome, something that's adding value to the world, something that's not going to be disposable, or if it is, there's a plan of how to dispose it and reuse it, etc. If they just change their approach right this very minute on the project they're working on today, and, you know, nobody, no one has all the answers. That's, that's something I'm very clear about. I don't have all the answers. And when I talk to experts, not they don't know all the answers either. But the key thing is to be focusing on wanting to make a difference 100%. and knowing that you can actually play an important role in that and more important role i think than a lot of people think yeah i you know? totally agree and 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 you know if if this if we're having this discussion 10 years ago 15 years ago i think that there, there wouldn't be the uh, the environment where a designer can stick their hand up and say i don't think that's a sustainable solution like now you know the, it, it is absolutely a requirement the call to action to designers be that person stick your hand up and say actually there's there's a better way of doing this that's not going to be as impactful to to the environment and we all have a role we all have a responsibility as designers as professionals um you know to be the to be the voice at the table mm -hmm. uh, to bring that attention to the client and say no nah, you know this is, this is too much one of the things my favorite sayings in the world you know is is Dieter Rams, who was the head of design at Braun for so many years, came up with the, the 10 principles of good design. And his last 10th principle was um, good design is as little design as possible. Mm. And I really love that. You know, it's mm. just, to me, sums it up is knowing when to stop, knowing when to just, you know, put the pencil down and go, that's enough. Yeah. And that's a really difficult thing to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't want clients saying that. It's a good <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you quoted me for four weeks work here good design should only take you a day um so congratulations on australian design council what's the next steps with with that organization how's well in many ways we we've we literally at, at step one you know it uh, we've been working um ever since COVID basically was announced and we sort of all bunkered down um we we started this idea of resurrecting the design council and and we're we're we, only as of last week, we were able to sort of tell the world about it, and now the hard work really begins. Um, where one of the big things, initiatives that we want to get off the ground is uh, this concept of a national design challenge. Um, how do we look at a at an industry mm. um, and wrap design thinking around that that particular industry at a um, you know at, at the highest level possible, whether it be at a policy level, uh, at, a, at a business level, at a service level, at a product level. And, and imagine that if we did that, what are the new businesses that may uh, be created as a result of, of, of imagining what a, what a redesign industry may look like? What are the businesses of the 21st century that could then pop out the other end of that? Mm. So um, exceptionally ambitious, there's no doubt about that. Um, but yep. that's what design is, right? We've got to be ambitious. We've got to think big. Uh, we've got uh, we're very fortunate to have some of the most incredible business um, and industry 
leaders and thinkers on the the design council who are really you know helping guide this discussion um and uh and that end goal is is really to to um to make australia a design-led nation you know mm. my uh my quiet little wish um when i'm an old gray-haired man sitting on my my rocking chair is uh, is that this country has a a minister for design Mm. That's that to me is it's just going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Be Absolutely, should embed design at that level within government, um, and hopefully Australia is the the first country in the world to have that. Would it be? I hope so. No other countries have minister of design, to my knowledge. No, lots of cultural uh, ministers. ministers for culture, and ministers for innovation, ministers for science, ministers for industry, yeah. um, but not a not a not a minister pinned at uh, at that design level. It can really work. Not in a department, but across government. That's the idea. Designing and making local is something that we're all really passionate about too. It's not, so it's not just designing, but the making. And our good friend Peter Freeman, who's on the board as well, um, his company, Road, is uh, an incredible Australian success story, isn't it? Um, the fact that, and we're, we're working on the, we're recording on the Road um, caster at the moment with his, his microphones and stuff. Beautiful product, designed and made in Silverwater, right? Here in Sydney, isn't that incredible? Yeah. Um, and a design-led business, you know, probably um, a billion-dollar business plus. Ab- I would absolutely, think. and it's uh, you know a lot of people ask me throw up some examples of, of of Australian brands and Australian success stories, and you know I I talk to Co- you know companies like Cochlear who mm. make these amazing hearing implants, and uh, and ResMed who make sleep apnea devices, and uh, and then you look at a company like like Road, you know, who, who, Aussie company um, producing some of the most incredible technology, competing with the world's best. You yeah. know? And as you say, here we are talking on their, their microphones and yeah. their equipment. Um, who would have thought that's just manufactured down the road here in Sydney? It could know? have easily have got it made in China, but for yeah. whatever reason, he just decided not to do that. Stuck to his guns, he's invested millions of dollars in, in high-end uh, manufacturing capability, uh, and competing with the world's best. And you can imagine how competitive this space is, you know, with existing uh, players in that market and, uh, and Road are, are up there with the best in the world. And that's, that's, that's again, the idea. How do, we, how do we create more roads? You know, mm. how, do we, how do we create the environment here in Australia where um, more innovation flourishes? Um, and, but, it, but it's underpinned by fantastic user-centred design. You know, mm. that's, that's going to be the big differentiator. Mm, I totally agree. We're talking about designing many things. And obviously I wrote a book called Design Your Life and this podcast is Designed Your Life. Do you think you can design your life? I absolutely do. I think that um, it's difficult because it's a pretty difficult, challenging brief. It changes all the time. <laughs> grows old and grey. Yeah. Grows fat and wide. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. And you're descri- describing me. Thank you very much, my friend. <laughs> You haven't changed at all. <laughs> you clearly haven't applied those design <laughs> principles to yourself. No, no I do. Oh. I, I've read your book. I love it. I think that um, the idea of applying the process of design to yourself is how incredibly powerful is that? You know, that people see it as a as a um, as a tool that can can be pretty much applied to to anything. I mean, we had this discussion about if it doesn't grow out of the ground, you know, but we do, and, mm. and that that mentality, that mindset of um, of of going through life knowing that you can apply this way of thinking to your own to your own being is mm. incredibly powerful. Um, love it. Have you applied it to your life at all? I'm trying. I'm not very um, 
very uh, disciplined, as you clearly. <laughs> <laughs> as I clearly what aren't? Oh my god! I went for a run this morning actually and did some push-ups. Uh, good. Um, uh, there's, there's there's certain things in in life that you kind of I, I've stopped drinking ten years ago. Um, you know, there's certain things that I mean that made a, a huge impact on me, um, a really bad impact on me when I was when I was doing it. I don't know, there's a whole bunch of different, treating yourself just as importantly as you do your clients, I think is really important, without sounding selfish, but actually make sure you're you're the best that you can be, um, so you can help your family or your work and, you know, have the best life possible. Well, it's hard. It is, it's very, very hard, but I mean, you know, what you just said then is is to me the, 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 the um, it sums it up beautifully designing yourself to be the best that you can be a designer doesn't approach a project to design something worse no their intention is always to design something better Mm. better outcome and not just a bit better much better Mm. and applying that way of thinking to yourself i mean it's it's bloody difficult but um that's that's where it's at you know if you can design a better version of yourself um you're, you're going to be better for your clients you're going to be better for your family yeah, exactly. you're better for your friends it's a, it's a beautiful way of thinking yeah the hard the hard thing is really is that there's a big difference between having someone commission you to design their life or design a brand or a project or whatever it might be and you having a self-initiated one where you've made the deadline the time frame uh, the criteria so um, brief. Yeah. that's that's yeah. the hard thing holding ourselves accountable um Anyways, I think I, I, I'm a strong believer that it is that it is possible, even if it's just incremental. Uh, even if you spend your life just learning what works better or not, and adjusting to that um, goes a long way as well. Not just taking life as that's just how it is. Yeah. And and the other thing that I think is you know as any designer would know is being comfortable with failure. Um, actually, kind of, you know, there, there there are days where you probably don't succeed so well in designing that particular aspect of your life and being okay with it and learning from that and you know um redesigning that tiny little bit again rather than it being seen as a as a a big failure um and i think that's particularly in the design sector that's something that that businesses aren't very comfortable with you know Mm. the, the idea of failing um and i think that's where designers thrive is that if you don't fail you don't learn <laughs> and if you don't yeah. learn you don't improve and, and, and create something better well that's where design thinking which originated in product design uh had it right around that kind of fast prototyping whereas other other aspects of design uh struggle with that because uh, there is very little room for i mean traditionally there was, was very little room for prototyping, testing, and all that, um, and so you had to get it right. I mean, I, you, ideally, you got it perfect, and perfection is um, intimidating and actually impossible, and creates all no end of anxieties um, for people. Um, and I struggle with that. The, the fact of the, the resigning myself to the to failing on a project, uh, I find that really hard. I mean, I just, I think I try, I do all, I do everything I possibly can to avoid failing on something because it's not, it's not great. I mean, uh, make, make it sound better than what it is. And, and, <laughs> and you don't want to fail for a client either, but I think no. it's, it's, it's more so in that design process, you know, and, and I've seen many projects that, that are almost ready to launch. And then, it, and then somebody asks the question, is this the right solution? Let's go back to the drawing board and that, that iteration that then takes place, mm. um, or if it's in the product design space that, um, you know, a prototype pops up the other end and we go, actually, 
geez, we made it too big or the buttons don't work or yeah. let's go back to the drawing board. And and rather than seeing that as a failure, you know, like thank God we, yeah, yeah. we spotted it here um, rather than it's now in a box and it's been shipped to customers, you know, and, 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 and taking that as uh, a gift almost and saying – um, that's failure. That's a critical part of design mm. thinking um, because it improves every single time we, we we identify what that failure is, and then we redesign it with that um, with that intention of always coming up with something better at the end. Mm. Well, it's been really cool catching up with you, Brandon. Uh, thank you for making the time today to have a chat, and I really wish you the best of luck with um, the Design Council and everything that you're doing. Thanks, Vince. Real. Real pleasure to chat to you. Interesting chat, and uh, yeah, always love listening to these podcasts. It's uh, it's a real honour to be on the on one finally. So oh, thanks for having me. Sweet man, thank you. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about designing your life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring please don't forget to review or subscribe.